You're listening to the Worley Local History Podcast, researched, read and narrated by Jean Lord. This podcast is kindly sponsored by Voiceit PR, voiceitpr.com. Episode 1, A Guide to Church Lane Worley. Church Lane Worley is an ancient thoroughfare running from King Street Worley, connecting to the Sands, passing under the northwest gateway of the Abbey, where it becomes Rithings Lane. This runs alongside the River Calder until it joins with the River Ribble, thereafter leading to Ribchester. This was the main road out of Worley until 1826, when King Street became the main thoroughfare. Most of the houses on Church Lane were tenanted, being owned by the lords of the manor, the abbey or Clark Hill. At auctions in 1919, many of the tenants became property owners for the first time. Each corner property at the start of Church Lane is a King Street address and will feature on my guide to King Street. But to get the picture today, in 2023, we have the Worley Wine Shop. On early maps, in 1762, it is the home of Mr Hargreaves, later John Taylor, and is a large detached property with gardens. In 1870, it is taken over as stables by a Mrs Slater, who owned the Shoulder of Mutton, later the De Lacey Inn on the other corner. Looking at it from the side, you can visualise how it would have looked. This is now number one. Across the road is an ancient building, which was the charnel house, attached to the old deanery. Bones unearthed from the graveyard were stored here. Whilst working on Church Lane in modern times, builders found old bones in the roadway. Entirely possible, as the graveyard wasn't enclosed until 1800s, and for hundreds of years was open ground, and that area consecrated right up to Crow Park, where the grammar school is, when the monks came later. Later, Langshaw's funeral directors stored corpses there, prior to burial, before they had a funeral parlour. Access to this is from the churchyard, and it has been the subject of many a ghost story over the years. The parish church, St Mary and all the saints. All I can say at this point is that it has to be mentioned as being on Church Lane and that it will stand alone in future podcasts. Having been on this site since the year 596 and mentioned in the Doomsday Book as the White Church under the Lee, it is a church of historical significance, altered many times during its lifetime. A walk around the outside looking at the walls and roof will show the evidence of the roof line before the tower was added in 1440. I will take the opportunity to dispel the myth of the Abbot Paslu gravestone. This stone formerly on the floor of the North Isle and was supposedly the burial place of the last Abbot John Paslu. When the stone was removed, the soil beneath was undisturbed. He was, in fact, executed for five counts of treason relating to the Pilgrimage of Grace in Lancaster on the 9th of March, 1537, and buried the following day. This supported by a letter from the Earl of Sussex to Thomas Cromwell on the 11th. 
Numbers 2, 3 and 4, Back Across the Road, were built in 1799 by Thomas Drinkwater on land owned by Clark Hill and featured on their 1919 auction of property. Having studied the original indenture, it is my opinion that it was one large house. Also, looking inside at the stairwell, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Also in the loft, looking at the beams, it seems to have been one property. From the outside, entrances also seem to have been added and doorsteps are different materials and heights. Number five, the Old Bluebell Inn. Age unknown, but we know it features in the diaries of Nicholas Blundell in 1705, who mentions the innkeeper, but doesn't name him. In 1780, Wilson Braddle names John Whittlesworth as the tenant. It has been said by Jimmy Fell in his window on Warley, who had sight of it, that the licence for the bluebell was transferred to the shoulder of mutton, but I haven't been able to confirm this. An indenture for Margaret Hall in 1798 says she has a building on land formerly the sign of the Bluebell Inn. Another indenture, 1799, for the house next door, being built by Thomas Drinkwater, also says land formerly the sign of the Bluebell. So we know it was there in 1705, and we know it was tenanted by John Whittlesworth in 1780, but no longer an inn in 1798. What happened in between? There is documentation of Mr Charles Tunnicliffe owning it, as shown on the description coming up of number six. More when I do the podcast on hostelries in Warley. Number six and seven, one house. This land was firstly owned by William Williamson and sold to Mr John Waddington, who sold it to the Methodist in 1806 when the upper floors were used as the church meetings and the downstairs domestic. It was extended in 1841 and one penny per year paid to Mr Charles Tunnicliffe to place a beam on his premises at number five. We don't know if Mr Tunnicliffe resided at number five but he married Margaret Hall, who was mentioned as having a building on the land in 1798. Later, he applied for a dissenter's licence to practice Methodism, but again we have no proof that it was for number five. The chapel at number six was sold in 1872 to William Parker, a member of the church, for £190, and he ran it as a draper's. The chapel moved to King Street. The next seven cottages are Grade Two listed as 19th century, probably because they don't appear on the 1762 map used extensively by surveyors. As this map was the holdings of the Abbey, they wouldn't show them. There are documents suggesting they were built in the 1700s by the Braddle family of Portfield and were lived in as domestic properties. Tenants are named on the 1780 land record of Wilson Braddle until they were sold in the big auction sell-off of 1919 when they were sold as a lot for £480 
and bought by Joseph Wilkinson, who was a tenant on the 1911 census. We first hear of Pool End on an indenture dated 1676, the 16th year of our sovereign lord Charles II, between John Tomlinson of Whistle Hall and Richard Waddington of Worley. No three cottages, grade two listed. I have been told that the panelling in the basement was removed a few years ago and revealed a passage. The owner filled it in, apparently without further inspection. There used to be a pump on the side of the house and a well in the roadway was where some of the villagers drew water. The indenture is very hard to read and could reveal more information. At the 1919 auction, these three cottages were sold for £300 to Robert Hebden, who was living in one of them. Pool House, Grade 2, in the corner, attached to the above cottages, was added much later and nothing is known yet of its history. It faces the other way. At the 1919 auction, it was sold for £480 for the house and garden. Research continues. 1, 2 and 3, the square. So named because the cottages were three of others that did indeed form a square. It is still a square according to the 1854 survey and the road going around the back of Pool End and coming out in front of the entrance to the abbey, continuing down the sands to the northwest gateway as it does today. There were also cottages in the churchyard, which are mentioned by the Reverend Thomas Dunham Whitaker in his History of Worley as being dirty cottages, with their frontages towards the churchyard. These were removed in 1818. They were near to the site of the hermitage at the southwest of the tower, where the school playground is. In 1360, Henry, Duke of Lancaster, gave the monks various additional lands for the maintenance of a hermitage and a recluse at Worley to pray for him and his heirs. There is more to this story, which will stand alone on the future podcast. Worley Primary School The school was originally called the National School, built in 1844 at a cost of £700, which included a master's house. It had an impact on the intake of Worley Grammar School, which up to that point had been the only school in Worley. By 1882, it was vastly overcrowded, so in 1883, another building was commissioned and the children moved in in 1884. Since then, it has been extended several times. Worley Abbey. This will be the subject to stand alone, but in a nutshell, it's timeline from 1283 when the Avodson of Worley Church, which is the ecclesiastical law, the right to appoint clergy, was given by Henry de Lacey and the reason the monastery was removed from Stanlaw to Worley. Its story from the monk's arrival in 1296 to 1537, when the pilgrimage of grace and the dissolution of the monasteries brought the monk's residency to an end. Bought by John Braddle and Richard Ashton in June 1553, prior to this having been held by the Crown, then in later 
a division by Richard Ashton, who took the Abbey and lands and John Braddell Portfield and the remaining lands. It remained with the same Ashton family in Worley until it passed to Ashertons of Middleton. From then on to Nathaniel Curzon, John Taylor, Colonel John Hargreaves and Taylor Taswell until 1919 when the Abbey was bought at auction by Travis Clegg, later being purchased by the Diocese of Salford. Abbey Farm Park being sold to Arthur Proctor for £4,450, which included the monk's dormitory and adjoining land, which was worked as a farm until handing it to the Catholic Church in 1923. The Catholic Church. Due to the dilapidation of the monk's dormitory and the vast amount of funds required to make it habitable and used as a church, it was decided that a temporary church should be built. It was finished in 1926. This is the one standing today. Very beautiful it is, and stands in its own grounds with lovely gardens and a peace garden with statues. During the building, several artefacts were found which had been discarded at the dissolution, including the statue which is now inside the church. The Abbot Paslu ring is now in the safe custody of the church, having been handed back by descendants of the Abbot's family. The more modern houses on the right were built in the 1930s. The black and white houses across from the Catholic Church were renovated in 1882. We don't have the date of building the original cottages, but they are of a great age and were taken down right to the foundations and remodelled. Previously, they were thatched cottages and were built from the stone of the demolished Abbey Church, that having been demolished in 1661 for the Ashton family living there to make a garden as seen today. At that time, the grounds of the Abbey, being like a quarry, resulted in many buildings using the stone from there. We know that on the 1841 census, a descendant of the woodcarver at the Abbey was living in the thatched cottages by the name of Etoff. Abbey Croft. The cottages on Abbey Croft set at right angles from the road. These originally were called Lower Fold and were part of the Abbey and are grade two listed and of a great age, probably older than the listing says. Originally one property, there were the ale, mentioned in the diaries of Richard Ashton. Now four cottages, the third from the road has the original staircase pictured in the Handbook of Worley by the Reverend Robert Noel Whitaker. Steps down from the living room, now the kitchen, would be where the barrels of ale were stored. The Ashtons were great entertainers and their guests always repaired to the ale on completion of a hearty dinner. Sands Cottage. Across the road and up the drive, in its own grounds, stands Sands Cottage. Probably the oldest house in Worley still inhabited. This is a grade two star listing. List number 1164758. 
which means it can't be given grade 1 status but is too good for grade 2. A shoe dated around 1600 was found in the loft behind the beams, probably to ward off evil spirits, along with markings defined as witch marks. This house could have had a central fireplace in the middle of the hall, as in old manor houses. A removed king post is now in a museum, and a crenulated beading in a bedroom is a very rare one, according to the Lister, and should never be removed. Wally Vicarages Built on glebe land, meaning belonging to the church, the first was built at the bottom of the land, and in 1738, William Johnson became vicar and requested money to upgrade, which 30 years of neglect had made its mark. He was referring to the previous vicar, who had lived there, so the house could have been standing before that. Its date is given as 1746, but this may be after renovations. The second vicarage was built at the top of the land in 1887, occupied by Reverend Charles Colwyn Pritchard, as seen on the date stone on the house. The vicarage is now in private hands and the new vicarage is further down on the same land. Maps can be quite misleading due to delay from surveying to printing. In the case of 1844 source, which says vicarage below a building which was demolished for the viaduct, which we now know and have information as to the owners and tenant and it was not a vicarage. This has led to numerous books on Worley stating that a vicarage was demolished to build a railway, which is not correct. Northwest Gateway, built around 1350, was the main entrance. It is two-storey listed building 1362365. It has no obvious staircase within so access to the upper apartments must have been from the north or south of the existing structure. Evidence can be seen on the north side from the garden. It is supposed that the upper rooms were for guests and that attached to the building would be stables and a porter's lodge. After the dissolution of the abbey, the building was used as a grammar school for boys, endowed by Edward VI. The upper floor was used as the schoolroom. Hence, the adjoining fields are called school croft, not referring to the modern schools on Church Lane, but to this one. The grammar school moved to a purpose-built school on Station Road in 1725. Since then, the building has been in the care of Historic England, with no further uses. Wally Arches Completed in 1850, after the first application to Parliament in 1845 for the railway, by Noel Hattersley and Shaw. 49 arches, including the stone arch over the roadway. It is the longest viaduct in Lancashire, being 620 metres long, 70 feet above the calder, which, for comparison, is the height of the parish church tower. 
Seven million bricks were made from Wally clay on either side of the railway on the rising ground towards Clitheroe. 12,338 cubic metres of stone, some from the digging out of the Wiltshire Tunnel, and 3,000 metres of timber. The designer was Terence Wolfe Flanagan, who also designed, amongst countless other things, the Blackburn Market and Tower. More about the arches on future podcasts. I have researched extensively the lives of the managers employed on the building and will feature in the podcast of the arches the human story. Cross House, at the junction of Riddings Lane and Broad Lane. Date unknown, but it is on the map dated 1762. On other maps in my possession, it looks as if it had been rebuilt at some time due to the sighting on these maps. This could be errors by the surveyors, but in any case, it is not a building of any historical significance. We now meet Riddings Lane and are back at the start of our guide to Church Lane. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to know more, please go to Worley Local History, the Facebook group, and ask to join. And if you're in Worley or visiting Worley, please go to Worley Old Grammar School where we have a heritage room. In there, you'll find lots of photos and information about Worley local history. See you next time.